welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. We are in week number three of the series we call Jesus, and uh, we are celebrating, of course, the advent of Christ, the coming of Christ, but also this reality that we get to proclaim the, one of the greatest truths the world has ever known, that Jesus changed everything about everything. That he, when he came into this earth, when he broke out of heaven and into the earth, it was like this history-splitting, movement-making, human-saving moment, right? Like it is the moment of all moments. And so not only do we declare that he is changing or he has changed everything about everything, but that he continues to do, though, do so. He is still changing everything about everything. Anybody agree? Yes, and so today we are in week number three, and I've titled today's message, message, There's Nothing Better. Everyone say, there's nothing better? There's nothing better, better, right, than being with Jesus. There's nothing better than being in God's presence. There's nothing better than praising God and giving him thanks and giving him an endless hallelujah like we sang today. Like, there's nothing better. The message is actually relatively simple today. This message that God's presence, there's nothing better than God's presence, is simple, but when it comes to how that lives in relationship to our own lives, it becomes a little more complicated. Positioning our hearts, right, to live and be attentive to God's presence is a challenge for many of us. To stay in God's presence is even more difficult, right? So if you are a person who loves God, who follows Jesus, which I know some of you may not be in that place, but if you are a person that follows Jesus, Chances are you experience a very strange dynamic in your life. Chances are you have a belief that there's nothing better than being in God's presence. You have that belief, but you struggle to regularly encounter his presence in the close and powerful way that you really want. Am I talking to anyone yet? The truth is, is that we have a lot of cultural habits and realities that make being fully present difficult and challenging. So the notion of being present with God in his presence, the the notion of being present with other people, even being present with ourselves, is a little bit challenging because distraction, anybody experience distraction in life? Uh, uh, Being preoccupied, being hurried, anybody feel hurried in life? They are so nurtured and so baked in to the way our culture does life that when it comes to God's presence, it's sort of like skipping a rock on a lake. We just touch down briefly with God just to lift right back up and keep moving, right? There is this, the very coming of Jesus, right, is rooted in this act of God coming to be with us. We read the verse earlier, but it says this in Matthew 1.23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, everybody say it with me, God with us. So Jesus is God with us, right? Over in John 1.14, it says it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? He came to dwell with us. He came to be our neighbor. Like, you can go and ask him for a cup of flour, right? Like, God is with us so intimately that he came to live with us in a tangible way. And that sounds fantastic for first century Israel who actually had Jesus in a literal sense in the flesh and blood right there where they could see him and know him. But what about us? That's great for them, but what about us? Well, just as God sent Jesus to be with them in a tangible sense, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us 
in a tangible and, yes, mystical sense, right? Like there is something mysterious about the Holy Spirit at some times, but we can't always see him physically. But that's why the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the wind of God. We don't always see the wind, but we do see the effects and feel the effects of the wind, don't we? So let's clarify. What do I mean by encountering God's presence? I want to talk about this idea of like encountering his presence. What do I mean by it? Because for some of us, we think, oh, that just means like getting quiet with God. I encounter his presence. For some of us, that means, oh, no, no, no. That means like something just went down. Like God showed up in a big, powerful way. Like, and it's an all-cap encounter, right? And that's good. And some of us are like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't really need, like, I mean, God is always with me. So I don't think about encountering God's presence as if it's a moment or an event. Because God is with me. And now theologically, that is accurate in a lot of ways. But what's a little bit off about that is, although God is with us, we aren't always with him. So think of it like this. God is always present with me. However, I am not always present with him. It's sort of like being in a conversation with someone. <laughs> and, and you start to realize this person is not really listening to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like talking and you can kind of sense they're looking through the room at other people. Or perhaps if you're at home, they're like staring at the television or they're looking at their phone while they talk to you. And you're like, okay. And you test it out and you start saying all sorts of crazy things about their mom or whatever. And they say, uh-huh, cool, 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 cool. And you're like, yeah, you're not with me. You're present, they're not. Anybody feel me? Anybody ever have that experience? Right? This is a cultural habit for people these days. We have the tendency to be anywhere but here. And this can happen in so many ways. It's deep into our psyche. And here's what I mean. If we could look at it on a bit of a time continuum, and I'll show you on this lean. So, like, so let's say on one end we have yesterday, in the middle we have today, and on the other end we have tomorrow. And here's what happens is our minds and our lives are focused on these things. They're focused on yesterday and tomorrow. And you're like, what do you mean? Well, our minds are filled with yesterday and tomorrow. This may be a cultural thing, but it feels very personal to me because here's what I know. My head is filled with work that was supposed to be done yesterday. That's still waiting on me tomorrow. My, my, my mind is filled with the things that happened yesterday. Maybe it's perhaps a relationship that is kind of in a weird spot, maybe a conversation that didn't go so well, and I replay that conversation over and over again in my life. Anybody? Or maybe my mind is on the regrets that I have about my life, the things that I missed out on. Or the things that I messed up on. So I'm living in the past. I'm, living about, I'm thinking about yesterday. Or I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about next week. I'm thinking about next month. And that fills up my brain space. Preparation, by the way, is a good thing. Vision is a great thing. Planning is a good thing. But often, I'm so focused on what's coming and I'm missing what's happening. Specifically, what's happening in me, what's happening in my family, what's happening in my heart, because I'm someplace else. Jesus himself talked about this. He talked about the fact that we, in Matthew 6, 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's why spiritual drift is so easy. Everyone say drift. We like to drift, by the way. We drift away from God because we aren't attentive to now. Instead, we're focused on what's behind or before us. Jesus said, be present. Be here. Don't let worry and distraction 
and busyness pull you someplace else. There's something interesting that happened all the way back with Moses. It's way before Jesus showed up, right? It's a story with Moses back in Exodus 24, verse 12. And it says this, which I think is in a kind of an amazing, this is like the encounter of all encounters. It says, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written, uh, I've written for their instruction. So like I said, this is the encounter of all encounters. The Ten Commandments are about to fall out of heaven and, and encounter Moses in this moment on top of the mountain. Now, there's this interesting thing that happens in this verse, though, that we can easily miss in the English. Because in the English, it actually says, Moses, go up on the mountain and stay here. And in the original Hebrew, it actually said, go up on the mountain and be here. Now, they translate it this way because they think, well, in a physical location, the word stay here makes more sense. But a lot of commentators, and I happen to agree, that we should have kept it as be here because perhaps God was actually saying something very intentional. That, hey, I, don't need, I need you to actually be here and be fully present in this moment. I need you to show up. And so many of us are so used to saying, okay, God's called me to climb a mountain. I'm going to go climb the mountain. I'm going to gear up. I'm ready for the adventure. And as soon as we get there, guess what we're thinking about? The next thing, we're thinking about going back down the mountain, aren't we? Because so many of us, we love getting there. We just don't know how to be there. God understands how we're wired. He understands what we'll do and how much energy and effort we will spend to get places. I read, a, I read an autobiography by Adventure Bear Grylls a few years ago, which I love, this, his book. And he shares a story about climbing Mount, Ever, or, yeah, yeah, Mount Everest, which, you know, no big deal. And this incredibly dangerous you know, journey, of course, and he, the journey up to the summit. It's all about that, right? Well, he tells this part of the story when he finally reaches the summit. He said they were, they were only there for literally a few minutes. Like he took a few pictures, they, they tied their little, their little flag, and then they had to head back down because if you know anything about the Everest thing, it's like you can't live on the top of Everest very long and you got to head back down. But I think about this, you are literally on top of the world and you can only be there for a few minutes. I guess that makes sense when you're on Everest. But I think this is like the perfect allegory for our life. The cultural problem is, is we rush every encounter. We rush to get there, and then we rush to leave. We rush conversations, we rush, rush through traffic, we rush through our work days, we rush Christmas shopping, we rush our kids through their homework, we rush their learning, we rush, we rush everything. We rush coming to church. God tells Moses, go to the top of the mountain and be there. Because God knows as soon as we get there, we'll start thinking about that we need to go. We'll start looking for the exit. We'll start looking for the next hill to conquer, the next project to tackle, whatever it is to keep our mind moving. And, we'll, and we'll, what we'll do is we'll never actually be fully present in his presence. In this moment with Moses, God has things he needs Moses to be there for. And a version of this happens every Sunday, not to knock on Sundays and us too hard, but we work really hard to get here. Some of us do. We get up, we get ready, we get out the door just to get here at the last possible minute, fishtailing into the parking lot. 
to rush in, and as soon as it's over, to rush out. So when does being here with these people in this place, when does it click into a place where it's more than climbing a mountain only to get there and just to climb right back down? We don't want Sundays, just so you know, just to kind of stay on this for a moment. We don't want Sundays to ever be this summit experience where you come and you experience and then you leave. We actually have this vision and hope that you come here, we would encounter God's presence, and then we would walk out of here staying in God's presence and walking in his spirit through the week in a way in which this is just, a, this is just a, a, an encouragement to this, this reality that God is with us every moment. And some of you, that may be how you live, but for a lot of us, I know we struggle to be present in his presence. Anybody ever read in the Bible, and before you know it, your mind is wandering, and you're like, I don't even know what I just read, but I do know what my to-do list is today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you start thinking about what you watched on TV or what someone said to you the other day or what you should have said to them whenever they said that to you. Or how about something practical? How many of you, like, it's hard to stay still? You're like, downtime is the worst. You know what I mean? Like, because you always have a project. You always want to be doing something. You always have an event. And listen, this isn't a message to say, hey, sit and do nothing. But we have cultural habits and realities and personal issues to deal with because we struggle to be present. How many of you, else, how many of you, you know, maybe you're somewhere else when you come home. You still got a few texts to send. You still have a few phone calls to make. And so even though you're home, you're still not home. (laughs) Speaking of phones, how many of you have a love-hate relationship with your phone? Anybody? Anybody have a hate-hate relationship with your phone? Anybody have a love-love relationship with your phone? Some of you don't have a relationship with your phone, apparently. Listen, maybe maybe I should ask you this. How many of you leap for joy when your phone beckons you, when it cries out to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, the sound, it's so soothing. Makes me think of sunsets and want to relax and take a nap. How many of you guys love this sound? And Android users are like, what is this sound? I don't get it. This is a phone ringing, Android users, you seven of you. I do want to say this. If your mom calls, you need to answer. I know we don't really hear that sound very much anymore these days. We've all learned the value of putting it on vibrate. But this thing is vibrating and screaming and calling out to you all day, right? It's, it, you know, we have these unknown calls from spam risk, and we're like, why does this keep happening to me? For many of us, this thing is all day, every day. Someone needs us. Someone's texting us. We're, we're needing someone. We want to text someone. We want to get on the social. We want to, you know, shop. We want to do work. Whatever it is. Like the phone is just on us all day, pulling us everywhere but here. Well, let's say me and you, we go to meet together for lunch. You're welcome. <laughs> we go to meet together for lunch. And I have my cell phone, and it's located in one of those convenient hip holsters. Right? And as we're having lunch and enjoying conversation, my phone begins to buzz. What happens in this moment? Two things happen. First, you wonder, am I more important than the cell phone? Right? And I wonder, should I, should I ignore the buzzing and just continue to make eye contact? 
as if nothing is happening? Or should I quickly silence the interruption? Or should I just take a quick glance just to see if the call is more important than you? So all these things run through our heads in these moments, right? But what's happening in this silly example, right? What's happening is we live in a world and we have a life in which not just through our phones but through so many means and mechanisms, the world is pulling us anywhere but here. And this is why I say we have a cultural habit and a personal reality that makes being present difficult. So it's no wonder that most of us tend to feel more distant from God than we want to. But I just want to be able to say it's not God who's here one moment and gone the next. It's us. He's here. We're not. There's an amazing story in Luke 10. Luke 10, it's, uh, there's this amazing interaction between Jesus and two sisters. I think about this moment all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories, and if you know the Gospels very well, you probably know the story very well as well. Uh, but there's, I, I've preached it on it a few times, so I'm just going to touch on it. But it's, Jesus shows up at the home of Martha and Mary, and it says this in verse 38. As, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Everyone say Mary. Mary, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Would you tell her to help me? Jesus replied, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Everyone say many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Everyone say one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, there's all sorts of fascinating truths to be able to pull from this passage. Martha is worried and upset about many things. Now, to begin, I always have to make this note, but Martha is trying to do a good thing. She's trying to work hard for the Lord. She wants to make this night special, right? One fascinating commentary suggests that Martha was trying to create all sorts of dishes and food, an unnecessary amount, and only one dish was needed. And it suggests that Martha probably had Mary's help in making the one dish, and then once Mary was finished with the one dish that was needed, she went and sat at the Lord's feet. While Martha continued to be busy and distracted and preoccupied with unnecessary things. So Jesus comes to her and lovingly says, listen, you are distracted about all sorts of, all, many things. But only one thing was needed. You can, you could host me, you could, we could, we could be in presence, you can be in my presence without doing all this other stuff. How many of us won't stop and enjoy time with the Lord today because we need, need to take care of a whole bunch of unnecessary things? I mean, I know that's me. I prioritize unnecessary things over sitting in his presence. How many of us won't stop and even enjoy time with a friend today because we're so exhausted by what happened yesterday? How many of us won't rest this week like we know we ought to and get into God's presence because we are so overwhelmed with what has to be done this week? Mary chose what was better which happened to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. How many of you know there's nothing better than being in God's presence? There's nothing better than being with Jesus. You know, one of the more mind 
mind-boggling, mind-blowing details about the story of Christ and his birth is in Luke 2. You know, we know the story. I'll just set it up real quick. We know that Mary and Joseph, of course, they had to go to Bethlehem. And as they get to Bethlehem, it comes time for the baby to be born. And, of course, there's no room in the inn. And so they go, and what was some form of a barn, they have Jesus. It's this amazing moment. And then there's this detail about the shepherds in the field nearby. And I love this part of the story. It says this, Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah uh, for all the people. Or excuse me, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, let's talk about these angels. Right? Like, if there's anyone that knows a thing or two about being in God's presence, it's the angels. It says a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. By the way, this is, this is the moment why we sing the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And heavenly host, you may not know this, but it refers to a heavenly army, God's angel army. In the Old Testament and in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh Sabaoth. Yahweh Sabaoth, right? It means Lord of the heavenly armies, God of the heavenly hosts. So why is an army there? Ever thought about that? Maybe you're like, I didn't even know it was an army. Because their king, who they serve, had just done an incredible act of love. Right? Their king had gone and left his throne in heaven, had emptied himself of his glory came down to earth to release his presence into the world to save mankind. The army, don't you know they were blown away by what their king had done? Don't you know the army was like, didn't see that coming? Angels aren't God. They don't know everything. They aren't all knowing. They were blown away. And before any battles, before the army positions itself for the battle ahead, they position themselves for praise. Get this. Some of you are riddled in a life that is a battle. And before you get up and start fighting again, position yourself for praise. What a scene the shepherds saw. Like, for real. They were witnesses to the angel army showing up and giving praise to their king. They were witnesses to seeing these warriors show up for their commander-in-chief and give him praise. Like, this is a stunning scene. Literally one of the most stunning in all the Bible. You're not as impressed as I am. But I'm blown away by it. It's captured my imagination to imagine the endless hallelujah that the angels sing for their king. What a scene. I mean, it makes me think of worship in heaven. Can you imagine worship in heaven? I mean, we had these little glimpses from the Bible, right? Which someone get a vision and they could kind of sh- 
paint a picture of heaven, which is always like hard to wrap your mind around. But there's a scene in Revelation 7, John got a vision. He says that the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever. Amen. And they sing that over and over again. They sing this chorus because there is nothing better than being in God's presence. And the story of Jesus, can we not forget what it's really about? It's about him coming to be with us. For his presence to be released into your life. For him to move into the neighborhood of mankind and to dwell among us. To send his spirit to say, now my spirit will be in you. You will be my living temple. You understand how significant it is? He is present with us. And we're not. Some of you are like, Tim, I don't, you don't understand. I mean, I, my life isn't just a walking, breathing worship song. I don't get to get up. I don't have the privilege to get up and just praise God all day long. I got work to do. I got battles that I face. I have discouragement that's on top of me every day. I got work up to my eyeballs. I'm dealing with people that don't care about God. So the question for you isn't like, today you're sitting here going, maybe it's not about being there. Maybe it's about getting there. Because the mountain ahead of you isn't some adventure. You're like, I can't wait to get to the summit. The mountain ahead of you is like a nightmare. And you're like, listen, Tim, it's more about getting there for me. Listen, I get it. I just want to say this. Like, God's presence, just to, it's not about a feeling. And so if you think you are chasing or needing to get to a certain feeling, when it comes to God's presence, I want to release you of that. Being in God's presence isn't about a feeling. Being in God's presence is about an awareness of who God is in your life and that he's with you. I want to, I want to give you five things today. How do we practice being present in his presence? I want to share five ways, and, and this is not the crux of the message. The heart of this message is simply this, that you have a God who wants to be with you. And God likes to come where he's wanted. And we, we need to be a people who want to be with him. That's the heart of this message. But I know some of us, we like lists, right? We like five things. And so I'm going to give you five ways to be present in his presence. Because you just need something to sink your teeth into this week. And I want to help you with that. Now, this isn't a list like, hey, go read the Bible and, and pray and do spiritual disciplines. All those are great avenues into his presence. This is about being present in his presence. How do you do it? Well, first of all, you need to have a heart that's saying this. Number one, invite his presence every day. A lot of us aren't even inviting God's presence into our life. Invite him every day. Say, come Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill me up. May, your, may the fruit of your spirit pour out of me and into the world. You see, most of us have a relationship with God that is just about asking God to help us and to give us things. And sure, we might say thanks. So it's a relationship of asking and thanking. But what I'm saying is, no, start inviting. Inviting him to go before you in your life. Say, God, go before me today. Lead me, guide me in all the ways that only you can. And like I said, we've been saying, I just said it a moment, but God comes where he's wanted. He needs to know you want him. He wants to hear it. 
In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, just say this. Say, God comes where he's wanted. He does. Listen, encountering God's presence, there's nothing better. Number two, I'll just give you this. Pay attention. This is actually one of the most important practices we can have in life when it comes to being aware of God's presence is that we actually pay attention because here's what I know is God is always moving and always working, but a lot of times we don't notice it. And the more we pay attention to what God might be doing, the more we'll actually witness what God is doing. We are so task-oriented as a, pers- as a people. You understand that, right? We are heads down, get it done people for the most part. We get the task done for the day so we can feel accomplished, feel like we've done what we need to do. And in our American culture, we are so ingrained in the rut. Everybody say rut. We're so ingrained in the rut of a task, of task orienting our life that we can easily miss the encounters with God's presence. We can easily miss when God opens a door to just say, be with me. Now, I don't know if you listen to worship through the week or if you, what kind of music you listen to, but I know sometimes I just get, I'll just get caught up and I'll be like, there's a song that just playing in the background that I'll stop and I'll listen to. And I'll be like, oh, thank you, Lord, for that little moment that I just happen to pay attention just enough. Sometimes it's just paying attention just enough to catch it. Sometimes it's just like, Lord, I want to pay attention to who you have in my life today. Who's coming, who's coming and going in my life? Go before me like, I'm going to be texting these people. I'm going to be calling these people. Is there a way that I can build them up? Is there a way that I can help them? And ask God, how, how can I encourage them today? I want his presence to go before me. I haven't figured it out, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I have plenty of times when I've, I really struggle with this. I'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe you're praying for answers and you're like, God, just write it in the sky. Don't you know that God doesn't typically do that? He does it in a small voice that you have to be really attentive to. He does it in conversations you're having with friends and all of a sudden there's like, ah, this aha moment. He does it in the book that your friend gave you six months ago that you never read. The answers are right there. Like he puts the answers in your hands. We just have to pay attention. Number three, get a word from the word. First of all, God's presence is most prominently in his word. So yes, it's read the Bible, but I'm not telling you to read the Bible because it's a great spiritual discipline. I'm not telling you to read the Bible because you need to check the Bible reading kind of daily task list. I'm saying read the Bible to get a word, like get a word from the word. For example, the other day I got the phrase, his love endures forever. As simple as that is, I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, God, what do you want to stand out today? And his love endures forever stood out. And you know what? That, I'm like, okay, that's great. That can be encouraging in a lot of different ways. But how it encouraged me that day is just like, okay, like I'm facing some really confusing questions in my life. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But you know what? His love endures it forever. It like gave me peace. It was a word for the, from the word for me that I was walking in his presence, staying in step with his spirit. Number four, be present with God's people. One of the primary purposes of the gathering of this church and of any church is for the purpose of encountering God's presence. We pray for it all the time. God says where two or three are gathered, I will be there in their midst. I will be there and be present with them. Over in Hebrews, of course, it says, never neglect the habit of being together, gathering with other believers. In other words, yes, 
it is a little bit of this little encouragement to say, make sure you go to church. Make sure you be engaged in your church. Make sure you are the church. Don't miss being present with people. You know, hopefully one of the reasons you come to church is to experience God's presence. I mean, it is the same word that God gave to Moses, like don't climb the mountain just to get there and then turn around and go back. No, be here. Be here when you are here. And I say that because I know for me and I'm sure for many of you, many of the moments in which I encounter God's presence in a unique and powerful way is when I'm with God's people. So we should expect God's presence to be with us. Number five, get quiet for five minutes, at least once a day. I don't always do this stuff well, but I know when I don't, it's like I'm out of step with his spirit. And here's the cool thing, I'm not completely out of step because God is with me, I just happen to not be with him so it's a little clunky. Anybody live the clunky life with Jesus? That clunky life is real. Back and forth, up and down, not sure why you feel the way you feel, and you're just like, God, I just need your presence with me. Can I tell you, there's nothing better. (laughs) There's nothing better. I gotta get quiet for five minutes, and I just need to slow down my life, slow down my mind, and say, Lord, I wanna be present with you. I wanna get present in your presence. I I just wanna be with you. I need you to lead me, go before me. I want to honor you. I I wanna worship you. I'm listening, God. Now, there are other ways to be present in his presence, but we'll just stop at these five. And These are not throwaway thoughts. These are real things. I mean, there does have to be a moment in each of us and in our lives in which we think, I'm done doing the Martha thing, giving my energy and my life to unnecessary things. There has to be that moment. No matter how busy we are, how important we are, there has to be the moment in which we would say there is nothing better than being at the feet of Jesus. (laughs) This is so true. I'm so tired of myself giving myself to things that aren't as good. Jesus is the best thing going. There's nothing better than being not only in the presence of God, but being in the presence of God with other people. There's nothing better than walking out of this place in the presence of God going before us and leading us. So when we talk about encountering God's presence, it is, it is an invitation to a way of life that Jesus came to usher in. When he came to bring his kingdom, he came to bring his presence. It's not just, it's not just a kingdom of hierarchy and power, although it's those things. It is a kingdom of God's presence. So I wanna pray because I know this, I know Christmas marked the beginning of an era of a time in which we get to sing an endless hallelujah, constant praise, constant worship. Would you stand with me? I wanna help us get just a little present in his presence today. You just bow your heads and we just invite the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come in a way that is in a way that we, as we, we turn our attention to you, that you would just bring thoughts to mind, that you would bring encouragement to mind, that you bring truths to mind. Right now, Father, in this moment, we invite your presence to come, to not only fill us, to not only move in us, but Father, to, to reveal things today, to give us revelation today. 
you know, as we worship in just a moment, the altar will be open. You can come. Our prayer team will be here. We can pray for anything going on in your life, any needs you have. Of course, that's why we're here. But you may feel led to just come and to get present in his presence. You may feel led to come and bow at an altar. You may come. You may want to sit in your seat. You may want to bow in your seat. You may, whatever you want to do today, to just declare to Jesus with all of your heart that there's nothing better than being with him. So, Father, we pray these things in your name. We give you the next few minutes of response, Father, as an act of worship, as a heart's cry. We love you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.